inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. Yes, it is time right now for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program today is brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By V's Flower and Garden Shop on Main Street in Waitsfield. By Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm with many specials in progress on Main Street in Colchester. By your locally owned Montpelier Agway Farm and Garden on the East Montpelier Road. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. In Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton and Derby. Sticksandstuff.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By PR Lumber, a family-owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need. Route 15 in Wolcott. And by the Willie's Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. And by Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel, Vermont, on Vermont Route 107. And by Poly Construction, a contractor you can trust where one call does it all, on Gregory Drive in South Burlington. Telephone number, telephone lines are open right now. You can call 244-1777, that's the 802 number, or 877-291-8255, toll free from most anywhere. Right now, here's the host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. I'm not hearing any. Try the other microphone. I think we're into a microphone limbo here. Oh, dear. And the other microphone, of course, is uh, stretched completely across the room and tied up with a third microphone that doesn't seem to work at all. Well, that's not working. Okay, good places all. And uh, my microphone works. I'm Joel. I'm the engineer. In Studio B, we've got three microphones, and we've uh, jiggled and jaggled. Have you have you got me now? I think we have. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> hey, wonderful. Thank so it was just turned down on the little Oh, is that what here. it was? That's all. It was just turned to zero, and I. it's, it's always on as far as I ever knew. So there you go. And can you hear me okay? Yeah? I I I I think I th- I think so. Yes. <laughs> so at any rate, uh, welcome to uh, in the garden. Yes. Yes. Uh, did Terry call in? Was that him on the phone? Well, let me uh, let me put it uh, let me put it uh, this way. Okay. Yeah. Let, me, yeah. let, let me let me put it this way. Okay. Okay. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. (laughs) Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Yeah, with the 92 degree temperatures. (laughs) We welcome uh, Terry on the line with us. Terry Gillick, how are you? I'm doing fine. Trying to keep warm all of a sudden. It's the other. (laughs) Yeah, we got a little. 
got a quick frost here. But anyway, I put you on with uh, with uh, ninety to sixty. Uh, huh? Our host here, you know. So um, <laughs> hey, Terry, thanks for calling in. I appreciate yeah. that. And um, uh, just to introduce uh, to introduce Terry, uh, Terry is a, a chestnut expert, or at least our resident te- chestnut expert. And uh, like Joel mentioned it was a uh, oh a few weeks ago, uh, July thirty first, from my notes that somebody mentioned about chestnuts and. And uh, Joel said, "Well, you ought to call Terry and get him on because he's uh, he always comes to the farm show and talks about uh, the American chestnut." So, um, is uh, do you have an official title with the American Chestnut uh, Foundation, or are, are you? you know, I am simply, I am now just a plain um, member. <laughs> I'm a member of the Vermont New Hampshire chapter mm-hmm. of the American Chestnut Foundation, of which there are several chapters up and down the East Coast. Which is primarily the chestnut growing, American chestnut growing region, extending from Alabama, <clears throat> Mississippi, Georgia, up through the eastern states as far west as parts of Tennessee, Kentucky, up the Ohio Valley, to include New York State and uh, up into southern Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine, which would include my county, uh, Wyndham, Bennington, Windsor, uh, and Rutland. Hmm. A few scattered trees could be found further north. As a matter of fact, we have had several large trees in places like Berlin and up in Colchester mm-hmm. and other parts of Vermont, which we were able to work with mm-hmm. to help bring back a new strain of American chestnut, which we are trying to do. Uh, but they've all pretty much been blighted. I don't know whether it's because we worked with them and carried the spores. But anyway... Uh, it's been exciting to be a part of the American Chestnut Foundation. I learned about it some years ago. It was founded by a professor who worked with genetics and genetic transfer mm-hmm. in corn out in Minnesota. He was interested in the demise of the American Chestnut. Now, let me back up and say, what do I, why do I say demise? The American Chestnut was a, a very vital economic source of income for people, particularly in the mountains of Appalachia. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the fall, they would harvest or gather chestnuts by the truckloads, take them down to distributors mm-hmm. and get their one pay that they get per year, to, which would give them uh, enough money to stock up food for the winter. Mm-hmm. Chestnuts yep. were also a source of food for wildlife and domestic animals. That's when you fenced animals out and not in. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. So then, come 1905, uh, chestnut trees in New York City, American chestnuts, suddenly started dying. And scientists tried to figure out what was going on. They found a fungus they'd never seen before. They traced it back to eastern China. And mm-hmm. apparently, uh, some plant material must have been brought over carrying the spores. Those spores found the American chestnut to be a wonderful host. And within about 50 years, those spores had spread up to as much as 50 miles a year, killing chestnuts on the way until here in Vermont, they were killed uh, by the the blight hit here about 1928, 29, and 30, Mm -hmm. killing all the chestnuts up in in our area. There There were some survivors, and we were able to even work with some of these survivors here up until last two or three years. Mm. So uh, what is happening to bring back the American chestnut? 
this Dr. Burnham suggested that we could do some genetic transfer using the Chinese chestnut, which is disease resistant to this fungus, uh, to cross-pollinate with the American chestnut. And I won't go into the details, it's kind of technical. Yeah. But through several generations of cross-pollinating and, and uh, uh, inoculating uh, trees when they get big enough, uh-huh. finding out which trees survived the inoculation, which trees didn't, mm-hmm. we got rid of those trees, kept the ones that survived, and used them for further propagation. Till mm-hmm. now, in some parts of our area, and including Vermont, we now are planting the first generation of what we call the restoration tree. Hmm. Now, uh, at my age, I won't see the final results, but younger people will. It's going to be about 30 years before they will be able to determine whether this tree uh, will be disease-resistant. And if it does prove to be so, then we will be reforesting the natural the areas where chestnuts used to grow mm. with the new disease resistant strain. Mm. Mm. I, uh, I was reading that they called the American chestnut the redwood of the east. The, I've heard that, and also the giant of the east giant, is another yeah. phrase that I've seen used. Where it would grow 100, uh, 150 feet tall. Very, very tall, and in the the interesting thing about it, it's one of those wonderful blooming trees that has a lot of male catkins mm-hmm. that you can see. And if you fly over a, 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 a stand of chestnut, you think there was a snowstorm. Oh, no kidding. And that's about the uh, the end of June into the first of July was when they bloom up here. Oh man! And then the nut, the, the burrs will develop and. <clears throat> Another thing about a chestnut, you have to have two or more trees cross-pollinating mm-hmm. and in order to get chestnuts setting up in the burrs. Mm-hmm. Each burr will produce three to, two to three chestnuts. Once in a great while, you may get four in, in a burr. Okay. The burrs are spelled B-U-R. Yeah. And uh, they're very prickly. And, of course, the competition for me, I do have a stand of uh, hybrid chestnuts. That is, mm-hmm. it's a cross between American and Chinese. And uh, I have two American chestnuts. One has just contracted the blight, and mm. it apparently hit the top of the tree, and that's all wilted. But I have another one that's in excellent shape. It's producing burrs, uh, and I hope to get a little harvest out of those. Plus, the other trees that I do have, I've had as many as 40 pounds of shuck chestnuts a few years ago. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh, had a, a friend who had a store, local market, he, they wanted my chestnuts, so I marketed them through that store. Mm-hmm. That's how I got, mm-hmm. I'll get rid of them. I, I, I <laughs> eat 40 pounds of chestnuts, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> so uh, if they're 150 or 100 feet tall up, how, how do you harvest them? Well, you usually, you fight, you, you, uh, uh, compete with the squirrels. Okay. And harvest them when they fall. Either that or you climb up in the tree and shake it. <laughs> you might want to have a hard hat on because you don't want those birds <laughs> falling on your head. Okay. And, and uh, usually let them fall, which is what I do pretty much. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I have a, a, I tried to do a, a humane way of getting rid of squirrels by using a have a heart trap, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then uh, carting them off somewhere else, saying this is better food for you here, yeah, whatever yeah. it is. <laughs> um, it, it's it's tough, yeah, to keep to keep them uh, away. But oh, we had a year, 
Well, we had more squirrels than there were you could count. Mm. And mm. I didn't get very many because they got most of them. But the, the one thing about that, though, is that they will drop chestnut seeds mm-hmm. or nuts and forget about them. And, and the next day, you know, I got a new chestnut seedling coming up. And anyway, it could be in my lawn. It could be out in the mm. woods. It could be mm. anywhere around the area. Yeah. Uh, I frequently get um, the oak trees uh, growing in my garden because the right. squirrels, uh, we had one mammoth oak tree just across the road and they bring them over and think that garden is just a great place to bury them so you know i'll get a, probably a dozen oak trees coming out of a, out of the garden in the spring see i'm trying to think what else uh, was made i made some notes mhm thanks i haven't been doing this for quite a while but thanks to the pandemic i have Shows, but I am going to the Guilford Fair. Oh, good! This weekend, which is a Sunday and Monday, a cute little fair down at the Massachusetts border. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's on the Vermont side, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd say there are four varieties of chestnuts in the world, and the largest chestnut is produced by the European, the one you see in the stores in November. Okay. Uh, the smallest chestnut, I say, unfortunately, is the American chestnut. It's a little larger than a pea, usually. Um, and then in between, you have the Chinese and Japanese. The Japanese, I've never seen a, uh, that at all. Okay. Um, but I, I get, uh, oh, I'd say almost uh, oh, half the size of a uh, golf ball. Okay. Yep. My chestnuts. Okay. Uh, sort of like the size of a cherry or something. Uh, a little larger than that, but yes, that's that's a good uh, so, good analysis. The range there. So, if somebody wanted to grow chestnuts, how would they get started? Well, to guarantee, if you want to grow them for the nut production and guarantee that you're not going to have problems, mm-hmm. I would go to any nursery that sells Chinese chestnuts. Okay. Uh, I don't. This I I have a favorite nursery out in New York State. I don't know whether it would be considered an advertisement. Oh no, go ahead. Tell us. We're glad to. Okay. Yeah, Miller Nurseries, Kenandegua, New York. Mm-hmm. You can find them on the Internet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm familiar with them. Um, I looked uh, up um, there's in in Plainfield, uh, East uh, East Hill Farm, Tree Farm, uh, Nico. Oh, yeah. And uh, he lists a, an American chestnut, and uh, he said that it's uh, uh, the dominant tree east of the Mississippi. What does he say about where he is? Uh, well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, his nuts are. Um, he said they're easy to harvest and process. And uh, let's see here. The, the only thing is that the American chestnut eventually will get the blight. Yeah, yeah. So we get this restoration tree uh, out to the public, which is not happening yet. Yeah, yeah. So um, that would would that be Miller's, or you just have to check the American Chestnut site to to see where that'll be available. Well, they don't. I, I don't believe they do the American Chestnut. They do the Chinese. Oh, they do. Okay. I got my first trees. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. if somebody wanted to try to to work with the American Chestnut, then that would yeah. be a, you'd have to okay, well, find here, source. But I was going to give you the address of our headquarters. Yeah. That's all right. Um, yeah, sure. Which is, all right, the American Chestnut Foundation, or TACF 50, that's 50 North Merriman Avenue, M-E-R-R-I-M-A-N Avenue, Suite 115, Asheville, North Carolina. 
28804. Oh. 28804. Uh, was that Super. So this is for uh, for Kendra Collins, and she's the regional right. science. Uh, yeah. Look, you scientist. May to, you may have to leave a message and have her call call oh, you back. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's fine. That's and, fine. Uh, we are made up of members. Is the supporting source of our organization. We're mm-hmm. all volunteers. Mm-hmm. Volunteers do ninety percent of the work. Sure. With, a, with guidance from our trained staff. Okay. And uh, its membership is $40 a year. You get a, a magazine from the national organization four times a year and a couple of uh, chapter newsletters during mm-hmm. the year. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah. opportunity to help out if you want to. That seems reasonable enough for sure. And um, so uh, if you were starting, would you st- would you recommend starting from seed or starting from a small tree that somebody else has started from a nursery? Uh, if you can get small seedlings, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending what your deer population is or not, mm-hmm. you may want to put a cage around them for the first three or four years. Oh, absolutely, yeah. They, That's the, your problem. They I seem think. to like anything new no. tree. We do have several that. research orchards throughout mm-hmm. New Hampshire and Vermont, mm-hmm. and uh, several of them we've had to put 12-foot fences around. That was <laughs> our biggest expense, is fencing in the orchards. Uh, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> so you're telling me the deer go nuts for him? They go nuts for nuts. <laughs> Not the nuts, but the nut trees. The yeah. nut trees, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and they do the same for the um, same for the trees, uh, the apple trees as well. So you said you had a small orchard of the hybrid, a small stand of the hybrid. How, uh, like how many how many trees do you have? Uh, I have 20 right now, 20 good-sized trees. I noticed uh, three or four of them for the first time will be producing chestnuts this year. They're pretty young. But I've had uh, flowers uh, uh, show up on one tree. um, Like the squirrels, I dropped a seed nut uh, beside my back door, and the next thing you know, it starts to grow. And every year I say, I've got to dig that up and transplant. (laughs) Guess what? 12 feet tall, 4 inches diameter. Uh, spreading around all over the walkway and everything, but oh, it's full no. this year. But the first year, mm-hmm. I think it was only nine years old, and it had two or three male blossoms on it. Oh, boy. 
And last year, it's now 12, 13 years old, and it did produce a couple of nuts. Mm-hmm. And this year, it's got about two dozen chestnuts on it. So, oh, for heaven's sake. This is the one you just happened to drop, huh? <laughs> and chestnuts produce nuts every year without fail. Oh, really? Yeah, it, 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 that's why it was such a prolific tree for nut production and depended on for for food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It also, of course, the lumber. It's also very important for lumber. Uh, it was used for that. It was also used. It's high in uh, um, uh, uh, t- tannin. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. And so it was was harvested for tannin, and then the pulp was used for making paper. Oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> very, very versatile tree for uh, several uses. It is a beautiful wood, too. Yeah. And uh, I've seen several pieces of uh, wood. We have, a, we have a gentleman here in Perkinsville who mm-hmm. is a craftsman um, yeah. who made – we had a, a big tree – well, the Berlin tree we called, was the largest tree in Vermont till it died about six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. We were able to harvest it. The owner let us take it. We did make a set of salad bowls and a serving bowl for him. Mm-hmm. Sent him down. He lives in Texas. Oh, we were very pleased. But he understood that anything we sold was uh, money for our foundation, not sure. somebody's pocket. Yeah. And we did have this, uh, uh, cut it up for lumber, brought it down to another, one of our members lives in Weathersfield, mm-hmm. uh, and we got this craftsman to make a rocking chair. Oh, no. Which did, I think we sold it for $500. Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, that, that goes to our chapter to help fund the expenses that we incur. Sure, yeah. Well, I I so admire your work, and uh, bringing back a, a tree like that is is so worthwhile. I hope some people sign up and check out your website and uh, and enjoy the magazine and plant some trees as well. Now these tra- these trees are are you know big like we were talking about, so they must re- require a pretty wide berth, right? You, you, yeah, uh, I I probably planted mine a little closer than I should have, but uh, yeah. I would say you need 20 feet at least either side of the stem. Oh, okay. Yep. So oh. you plant 20 feet. Okay. I have quite the, a few oaks, like I mentioned, in in on the hill, and they're they're actually white oaks, which is unusual, but it's it's a you know they're beautiful trees. But I was thinking that I might. Oh, uh, reminding me of an important factor. Yeah. I, I get asked, where should I plant? What's the best location to plant mm-hmm. these? Yep. Trees? I say, where an oak will grow, a chestnut will probably grow. If you oh. go, down, go down, up and down the Winooski Valley mm-hmm. on either Route 2 or, or uh, the interstate, mm-hmm. you look across the river, uh, you don't see any oak trees because it's facing, the hills are facing north. Mm-hmm. But on the side you're driving on, it's full of oaks, particularly <laughs> in November when they're just turning. You're right, they're right. <clears throat> yeah. But they like a well drained uh, soil, uh, I'd say facing southeast, south, southwest. Yeah. That's your optimum locations. Mm hmm. Okay, well, I've got I've got a south-facing hill, and and there's like I said, uh, quite a few oaks. Uh, the the biggest oak I have seen in Vermont was across the road. Uh, it's a good three foot, you know, uh, across diameter. 
Yeah. And um, a large tree. That is a large tree, and they they end up having to take it down after so many years. Oh. And, and there was a mass exodus of the squirrels that lived in that tree, and they came across the road, decided to live in my oaks, and I must have had 14 nests by the end of the summer. Speaking <laughs> of large trees, yeah, I have a, a garden client I still do garden work for up in Windsor. Uh-huh. This year, for the first time, I noticed a ginkgo tree. Oh, really? It's, it's two feet in diameter. Oh, man. I've that... never seen one that big before. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen much smaller ones. Uh, we've got one here in Springfield by the town office. Yeah. But that that was that amazed me. But it's it's huge. I would say it's shaped like um, a, a single a, a lone oak. You know, spreads mm-hmm. out up in crowds around. Yeah. But um, I couldn't believe it. But that that's how huge they apparently can get. Well, it, yeah. A lot of times they die out just from the inside out before they get that big. Huh. Huh. Anyway, I can't. Think, I guess unless you got any more questions, I think I've covered the the ground pretty well. Mm-hmm. Anybody has questions, best best to call those two sources okay. for answer information. Yeah. You can possibly uh, see if you can get American chestnuts from our foundation by calling the uh, Asheville office. Okay. Yeah, that's the two eight. Uh, let's see, eight two eight two eight one oh oh four four. Is that right? Four seven. Oh, oh, four seven. Yeah, okay. Oh, oh, four seven. All right, good. Or else get in touch with um, uh, Kendra at the the email Kendra dot Collins at acf dot org. Right. All right. That's great. Um, listen, thanks, Terry, for the call, and and I find this just immensely interesting, and and what a great cause, and. Uh, thank you. Thank you for doing this. Uh, I've enjoyed doing it very much. As I say, uh, now that we're, um, unless something happens this week, they cancel it. I expect to be at the Guilford Fair, and I hope that we can have the farm show again next January. I yeah. make see that we are going to do that again. Yeah. We yeah. get a lot of response there at that farm show. So uh, Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, um, if I have any more questions, can I call you back sometime, Terry? Anytime. Okay. Leave a message and I'll call you back because usually I'm during the day. All right. You're a busy boy, huh? (laughs) Well, that's good. That's the way to go. Plug the four cylinders and my chest keep ticking. I'll uh, go on. You're an old Model T, huh? Yeah, I guess you might say that, yeah. (laughs) All right, buddy. I can't say that you can have any color of of anybody that you want as long as it's... uh, one color. <laughs> I, I didn't know this. The, the Model T Fords, when they first came out, had four colors. No, I thought it was any color. But... Yellow and blue, I believe it was. And really? then in those years, Mr. Ford said, no, no more. We're going to just have one color. You can have any color from now on as long as it's black. <laughs> and that's why you see more black Model T's than any other color. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, today you can have any color you want, and it's just about, uh, it's it's more than a rainbow of cover, colors. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have, a, I have a Model A, Joel here. I have a Model A, and it, boy, Mr. Ford, I wish uh, wish we'd go back to some of his principles. They gave you a, they gave you a couple of tools, including the crank and everything, in a wooden box. And what you do is you knock that wooden box apart, and there's your floorboard. <laughs> uh, really? that's, that's right. Yeah, probably the Model T as well, but uh, uh, even the Model A, you, you know, the, 
you, you had no you had no floor until you until you knocked your toolbox apart and then you put them on the you, the boards fit perfectly. <laughs> yeah, that's the old way of doing it. That's for sure. There's the Model T on in the Wilder Barn up at the Calvin Coolidge Historic Site in Plymouth, and uh, yeah, that, that's where I got my information. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, that's uh, that's a whole nother subject we've been talking about. Uh, I wonder if uh, Calvin had a garden up there. <laughs> well, I, I live I live by one of Calvin Coolidge's uh, um, aphorisms or statements he made in his um, in his memoir. Yeah, and he goes, "Let's see, I have noticed that I have never. Um, let's see, I have noticed that nothing that I never said ever hurt me." <laughs> <laughs> Repeat. I have noticed that nothing, nothing that I never said ever hurt me. Okay. So just think of all the people whose careers were, you know, uh, you know, destroyed in this cancel culture by uh, by things that they said and did. So uh, Calvin Coolidge, wise man, obviously. You well, know, my mother just mother. said, "Keep your mouth shut." Well, I yeah, think it's right. about the same. That's the same thing. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, I've, I've quoted that to kids sometimes when they say something they wish they hadn't. Uh, <laughs> think about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is what you don't say can't hurt you. That's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> well, once it's been again. a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Terry. Hey, so Terry, much. looking forward to seeing you at whatever next farm show they let me go to, or, you know, here at uh, Ramaya. You know, so we're we're things things will get better with the pandemic business, and uh, we'll be at all the mm-hmm. all the farm shows and fairs and things that are happening. And I love running into you. So yeah. take care. Yeah, Joel. Yes. Oh, yeah, you still there? Oh, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, this is a whole different subject. Would it be something you could research and do a story, a music story on community bands sometime? Oh, yeah. Boy, I tell you, there, Vermont has an incredible history of that and, uh, New England and uh, beyond. But sure, yeah. yeah I've, I've, yeah, I will, uh, I will look into that. Always looking to, uh, expand, uh, what I search in history. But yeah, community bands, some of them yeah. have a history of well over a hundred years, you know. Yeah. They just keep I on see. going. Yeah. Well, there's a Perhaps place. And- Captain yeah. Band and our Springfield Band is 75 years old. This wow. completed the 55th mm. season. Mm. And then I believe there's one in St. Johnbury, and I know somebody plays in the Bristol Band. Yeah. Well, there was a, my wife and I and my, my son and his wife were at uh, Red Hen. We were getting our creamies there with mm. a uh, homemade waffle. And just behind that is uh, this Camp Mead. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a, uh, and they had a community band playing there on a, it was a Sunday afternoon. It was, uh, I didn't realize they had people come in, but it was, it was a regular uh, sort of swing band that they were. In Middlesex? It was right in Middlesex, Terry. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, right, right as part of the Red Hen. You can go right back and there's a, well, probably yeah. 20 picnic tables and it's a beautiful spot, really. But, nice uh. Place. Yeah, yeah. Community band. All right. Okay. Well, Joel, I guess Terry gave you your instructions, your right. marching orders. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just warned you. I warned you, Terry, that my squirrels, when I'm not home, listen to the radio. So I think they're probably renting a bus to Springfield right now after they've been listening to. <laughs> I'll turn it around downtown. Uh, back. Okay. Great. Thanks. Take care now. Thanks again, Bye. Terry. Yeah. So. Um, uh, you know, what fun. I suppose we should go ahead and take a break.
uh, or do you want to wait for a little while? Well, we could take a break right now and then get back to the uh, right. business at hand, which is <laughs> anything relating to garden. And I know Pete has things to talk about, but if you have gardening questions, uh, yeah. use this as an opportunity. And, uh, yeah. you know, we're in, certainly in harvest time right now. So give us a call at 244-1777 or toll free at 877-291-8255. And we'll be back after these words. Dandelion Acres is a beautiful garden center in central Vermont where you can find gorgeous flowering hanging baskets, annuals, perennials, trees, and shrubs. They also have an extensive selection of vegetables, fruit trees, and berry bushes and can also offer helpful advice to make your growing season a success. There's pottery, garden furniture, statuary, and decor from the whimsical to the sublime. Dandelion Acres Garden Center is in Bethel, Vermont. Go to dandelionacres.com for current operating hours and COVID caveats. Uh, my, uh, my my uncle Stanley played uh, trombone mm-hmm. in a community band for over 40 years, but then oh, yeah, he decided to retire and let it slide. <laughs> okay, never mind. All right. In the garden. <laughs> in the garden right now. Telephone lines are open. Doors are locked, thank goodness. I'm going to come with tar and feathers. And if you've got a joke, you're welcome to call. <laughs> so... Um, uh, where I was going to start when the, when I didn't have a microphone was just to remind everybody, uh, uh, next week is our last show. And, uh, it oh, seemed to God. sort of creep up on us, uh, quickly. Uh, we didn't have very many cancellations, uh, because of the Red Sox. So, uh, um, when we started on April 17th, uh, the very next week they had a game, but then from then on, we've been, uh, we've had our 20 shows and that ends on September 4th. Uh, and uh, Lee and and uh, Coram let me know that that was it. I said I'd be glad to keep going, but they said no, no, you're you're done. <laughs> well, uh, just just for our listeners, obviously, it'd be great to continue. I I don't know um, what uh, what is scheduled next, but mm-hmm. you know, since our you know this is commercial radio, where instead of going on the air and uh, mm-hmm. you know begging fundraiser, uh, uh, it's all supported by asking, our, our, our fine underwriters. <laughs> That's right, and uh, so. That and so there's a flight, and mm-hmm. uh, the flight was for 20 programs. So That's right. Yeah. That doesn't mean that they can't create a new flight, but uh, yeah. the way it's been structured. So yeah. we are yeah. at the 20th program next week. You know. So. Yeah, that's it. And so you've been warned. So make sure you get your bragging rights in now. But and if you do want to send some money to support <laughs> in the garden or the no, care no, and no, feeding no, of no, Joel no. Dash, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just right. Slide it under the door. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a sealed it envelope. Yeah. <laughs> For Joel Nashman, and you spell that <laughs> J <laughs> if you're writing a check. Oh boy. Well, anyway, next week is our last show. So if you um, have any uh, uh, questions, write them down and make sure to uh, give us a call. Um, the couple of things I just wanted to. Uh, talk a little bit. Not even going to give you the chance to do that oh, because okay. we do have a caller on All the right. line. Well, your, fir- your first name in town? Uh, Trudy from Braintree. Hey, Trudy. Have you heard about the Asian jumping worm? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we had quite a few calls on that. Uh, was it first thing this year? Was it? Yeah, first thing this year. Um, it's uh, it really has sort of a, a grotesque feel about it. Uh, there was a couple other names for it besides that. Uh, the uh, but anyway, why do you ask, Trudy? 
because I believe I have them. Oh. Oh. I, I know. I well, it was posted on Front Porch Forum, but I saw this little bitty, what I thought was a baby snake, yep. the day before the posting. Yep. Or it wouldn't have gotten away. Yeah, sure. And now I noticed under my cedar trees last night, the soil is all worked up, and they say it can look like coffee grounds. Yep, or, that's exactly and, your description. And there's nothing you can nothing you can do about them. Well, that's that's what they say. Um, you know, and it's, they can destroy the soil. Yeah, well, they. What they I've read. Uh, it's almost like almost any kind of a pest like that. It goes through a cycle. Now, we could be in for a long haul. Um, and uh, uh, unfortunately, as much as we um, benefit from, you know, moving uh, different foods around and woods around and coming from China and India and Europe mm-hmm. and Russia and all over the place, uh, the, the downside is we're also bringing the same uh, diseases and funguses and bugs and, and jumping worms. And, you know, particularly... Uh, uh, a bug like that that doesn't have its natural predators um, can, you know, can wreak havoc. No question about it. Um, it I know it's probably small comfort, but they're they're, you know, all of these things go in cycles, um, and and uh, we're we're probably in for a cycle of uh, the jumping worms. Uh, there'll be controls, just just like every other thing, but. Um, if they destroy my soil in the meantime, then yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm up the creek. <laughs> yeah. I said, if that happens, I'm going to sit on the deck and eat bonbons and give it all up. <laughs> yeah. Well, to see, you know, that, uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's about all you could do, I guess. Because I guess they can even destroy woodlands. Uh, that's. Uh, I think that's the concern is that they can get out and and. Yeah, just, they're yeah. under my big cedar trees mm-hmm. right now. That's mm-hmm. where I found the disrupted soil last night. Right. Yeah. I think. Well, if you find one, gu- you know, yeah. just to put your mind at ease, you know, go ahead and capture it and send it to to UVM, the extension agency. There, you can get the address online, and have them actually look at it to make sure because. Um, Part of an integral part of any kind of control over, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, the Asian beetle or or anything else, uh, is keeping records. So if you think you have them, um, uh, see if you can't find one and send it into UVM. And that that helps them to map and keep track of and to understand how it's yeah. going. And, I read that online too. Yeah, yeah, and so that's that's important, um, you know, for all of us to do our part for some reason. Uh, the caller was from Montpelier, I think, uh, who told us about that. So, you know, tr- uh, st- start there and do that, and they may, uh, and I expect that they'll come out with a bulletin of some sort that give us some idea of, of different controls, whether it's. Uh, you know, yeah. you'd have to try something like the, a Captain Jack or even a pyrethrum or, a, um, you know, and spray. I mean, look at how long the Japanese beetle has been with us, and that started back in the 50s, you know, when I, when I was a kid. It's easier to capture, though. <laughs> no question about it. No question about it. And, and of course, there's we are the only natural predator at this point, so right. we have to 
to pray on them and and uh, uh do that daily. Yeah. And oh you do. So you you're familiar with capturing them and you can capture some you think? Oh oh the beetles. Yeah. Oh no, the uh the well, jumping worm. I could, have, I could have that little one had I known what it was. Yeah. Yeah. The posting until the following day, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Well, I uh, last night I didn't see anything except the disturbed soil. Yeah, yeah. Well, chances are they're not going to go away anytime soon. You'll get a chance to find another one, I'm sure. Uh, I'll keep checking. Yeah, and the um, so dense I could never find one in there. <laughs> Isn't that the way? <laughs> you can't. Sure, find- they probably see you coming and say, "Uh oh." <laughs> Yeah, well, that one saw me coming with a lawnmower when I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yep. But apparently, they can breed individually. They don't have to be a pair. Yeah, well, that's that's the way worms are. They, they are, they can breed. Uh, you can cut a worm in half, and it'll it'll create two worms. You know, it's a it's a pretty amazing creature, really. And they say that they they have lungs and a heart and all this other stuff too. So it's uh, yeah, for the most part. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, the, if you could find a way to put them to work on, um, on, uh, sludge, you know, from the sewage, you know, we might be onto something there. They might create something that's, that's good for us. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, um, you know, it, it, they're probably, you know we're we're ultimately very creative, and uh, I think that if we put our mind to it, we, we'll find a way to solve the problem. But yeah, we're in for a long haul. I'm pretty yeah, sure. I think I, I read that there they have shown up in all counties, most all counties already in Vermont. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder what they think the source is. Yeah, what the source is that, because they have to be imported to start with. Well, <laughs> all bad stuff. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure uh, you know that that's uh, you know smallpox and a couple of other things came from Europe right along with the with the colonists. So uh, you know, mm, matter of fact, earthworms, from what I understand, and I, I find this hard to believe, was an import from Europe. Earthworms that came over in the manure. And, uh, then other kinds of weeds and stuff like that were, yeah. were, uh, not indigenous came here with the, uh, uh, with the, the seeds. And, and so, yeah, there's, this just seems to be the nature of, um, uh, the nature of the human beings is to bring their stuff with them and, you know. We were better off when we all stayed in our own hills. <laughs> well. Having come from Ohio, I, I, I'd have to disagree, but I, I certainly understand your sentiment, though. <laughs> People just mind their P's and Q's, right? <laughs> All right. Well, I just I hadn't heard anything from you about it. So oh, yeah. 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 Well, Trudy, uh, thanks for bringing it up again, and we'll um, I'll have to do some research. I don't know if I'll be able to get to it by the time uh, next show next week, but uh, I'll see what I can find out if there's any remedies or see what the UVM says. There was something, and I've got to go back and read it again, mm-hmm. that you could pour on, mix and pour on the soil. Mm-hmm. It seems so. 
can't remember. I think it was like Dijon mustard and water <laughs> would bring them to the surface. I've got to read. I've got to go back and read that again. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, uh, yeah, let me know. You call next week and let me know. <laughs> I have somebody that mows my lawn and other lawns, and that's the only place I can think of it may have come from because I have brought in no new plants. Mm. You know, mm. this year. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a that's a distinct possibility. Well, it's just like um, the fruit fly. Okay, you have the fruit fly. You buy fruit at the store, and sure enough, after a few days, you see a fruit fly. So that fruit fly came in with the store, but we just picked a whole bunch of, of pears right from the the land. You know, my landlord has uh, six pear trees, and and. Um, uh, so we set them on the counter, and sure enough, they were fruit fries. You know, they yeah. come in with them. So well, I put my blueberries on the counter if they aren't quite ripe, and they're there. Yeah, yeah. So where the, where do those fruit flies come from? You know, they they don't uh, they don't they don't have to be very big. So anyway, all right. Well, let us know what you find out, Trudy, and I'll I'll do the same from my side. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. <laughs> Do you have um, Fran? Well, first, let me just say yeah. that uh, just check to see the Vermont distribution. Um, the latest is that jumping worms are confirmed in all Vermont counties, mm-hmm. with the exception of Essex and Orleans. And they have, uh, if you search on the internet, uh, apparently there's a map, of, at least of what's been reported. So yep. there you go. And I did see that there are some biological controls, but the same stuff that will kill these worms will kill the earthworms, earthworms. as well. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Francis is on the line. Hey, Francis. Hi. How are you doing? No, good. Good. How about yourself? Good. Great. And I I can't thank you enough for my rhododendrons. They, they, they're doing so good now. <laughs> That's and great. Good to hear. And I've learned a little trick. You watch the leaves. If the leaves are all facing towards the sun, yeah. then they're okay. If yeah. you start to see the leaves droop a little bit, you better get some water to them. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, I never thought of that, but that, that sure makes good sense, doesn't it? Yep. Yep. And I was just studying them enough, and I, I said, that's the trick. Every <laughs> time I see the leaves droop, I get the water, and if it's been too long, I get some fertilizer tool. Oh, super. Oh, that's great. That's great. Isn't that something? It's like I said, the the main, the main, best tool in any garden is the gardener and, you know, just being there and watching, observing. And uh, yep. you just proved that to be true, Francis. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> so I know nothing about apple trees except for they grow apples. And uh, I have a small apple tree behind my house. Yeah. Uh, it's a seed, little bit more than a seedling. Yeah. Uh, and the leaves are turning brown, but they're not, they're still, it's like skeletal, you know what I mean? Sure. And yeah. uh, I'm afraid I'm going to lose this tree, and I don't know what to do to it. I had some pear trees that were like that. I thought I was going to have to replace all three. Uh, in the first years, it's not unusual for them to start their le- leaves turning a little bit early. Um, remember, this is September, and fall is just a week or so away. It's not really that mm-hmm. far away. Um, I always see the August 15th, the first leaf uh, turn on the county road on my way into Montpelier. 
Um, and that's, of course, a reminder that uh, the days are getting shorter. So I wouldn't worry right. too much about that. What you want to do with young trees is, uh, is you know, make sure, you're, again, you're watering and feeding them so that they have the mm-hmm. nutrients they need, uh, making sure that there's, uh, you know, no bugs around them, protect them from the deer, um, and oftentimes just a little bit of tanglefoot around the, the tree will help anything that's climbing up and that will bore into the the um, bore into them and uh, oddly enough a good spray with uh, fish emulsion is a is a good way to fertilize a, a fruit tree which surprised the heck out of me but I was reading an expert in on fruit trees and and uh, he recommended that um, pretty highly so you know you can you can spray them now you can spray them uh, uh, um, you know, first thing in the spring and just cover all the wood and all the buds, everything as they start to come out. Okay. And I wouldn't worry too, too much about them turning, the leaves turning now. It's, uh, like, okay. I said, it's, it's the time. They should, you know, they're, they're okay. going, they're, they're reading the signs better than we are. Okay. And that's a good night, sweetheart. You know, we're, we're going to bed. Yeah. <laughs> we know what's, we know what's coming. When there's a 41 degree night, we know what's coming. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Last year, uh, two years ago, I yep. saved one of my trees from a chipmunk. It, uh, chewed all the way around it. Oh, boy. It was about apple tree. It mm. was about three inches around. Mm-hmm. Completely girdled it. Mm-hmm. What I did was I made, uh, I read on the internet, I took and made like straws with the, with the branches. Yeah. So that it made a bridge between the two. Oh, for uh, heaven's sakes. Yeah, between the two. And then I put fencing staples in between. Uh-huh. You know, so you slid up under the bark on both ends. Right. And yeah. then I put, um, that tar that you use for trees all the right. way around it. Yep. And uh, that tree's got, like, probably 100 apples on it this year. Oh. <laughs> and, and last year I thought it was going to die. That is so clever. I, yep. <laughs> wow, you get you get straight A's for that one, buddy. I, it's, yep. That's super. I, I would have never thought of that. <laughs> I, I found it on the Internet, and I says, wow, I'm gonna, i got to try it because otherwise it's just going to fall down and die. That's for sure. I've got about a four-year-old apple that uh, the same thing happened to. I'm going to have to go uh, – Check that out. Give that a try because uh, yep. it's um, it's a uh, it's it's a nice little red apple. It's very good. It's a you know a dwarf tree, so right. But it's still it's probably worth saving if I can. Yep. Although yeah, although I just found out time because it's things are slowing down. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yep, and I think I'm going to take all my tr- all my two apple trees and I'm going to. Just paint them with that tar about three feet mm-hmm. up. Yep. Then the squirrels and the chipmunks, nothing's going to want to eat it because they're going to get that tar all over the feet. Well, what you want is a band. Just read the instructions. You you don't want to tar, tar the entire thing because it can soften the bark. So you want oh, okay. about a one-inch band, and uh, it'll tell you how far up, maybe a foot up or six inches up or maybe even uh, a little higher than that. And that's... It'll, it'll stop for the, for the critters, you know, for the chipmunks and the mice, you know, you want to actually a, a hard, uh, uh, a barrier like the, the plastic or the fencing barrier. 
Yeah, I've been using stovepipe. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was, there, there's no way after that I almost lost that tree. I said stovepipe and then they used it in there. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's a great idea. It's probably yeah. easier to come up across some used stove, stovepipe. <laughs> yep. And easier to put up and yeah. take down and no, works great. I, what a great idea. I like that one. You're, you're full of good ideas here, Francis. Good. That's good. Good. <laughs> well, good. And, um, Okay, well, let us know how that goes if that uh, continues to um, continue to grow well. I'm I'm going to be okay. real curious, and I think I'll try that myself. <laughs> okay, thanks for the call, Francis. Yep, thank you. Yep. Well, Joel, we're getting towards the end. Pretty here, close, right? yeah. But yeah. Uh, next, I guess I was thinking about at the end of the program, I was going to go over the year-round indoor salad gardening, but I guess we'll save that for for uh, next. Week because that's uh, that that's a little longer than than we have time now, but uh, just to be warned, bring your uh, notebook and your pencils and and you can take notes on the year-round indoor salad gardening, a book I wrote. It's available at Chelsea Green and uh, actually a Brookside uh, Books right here in Waterbury has been carrying it. So. Uh, and you'll be gardening and uh, eating fresh vegetables all, I will all be. year. Yeah. All the yeah. rest of the yeah. winter, yes. Yeah. And uh, I found out uh, from the my contractor as they rebuilding my house they're going to have I'm going to have to move my garden <laughs> all all uh, 28 beds down on the lower part is all going to have to come up and <laughs> he said he'd try to preserve the soil as best he could but yeah, I'll be starting over next year. <laughs> well, oh my word. Well, <laughs> you never know. Yeah. But I have uh, so about 20, 24 beds up in the, uh, you know, up above. So I'll still be able to, to get my basic gardening in and that'll be good. Okay, good. So, uh, next week. Next week it is, Joel. That's where we'll be. All right. In the hey, garden. Nice t-shirt. Oh, thank you. It says <laughs> in the garden. <laughs> Gonna make this garden grow All it takes is a rake and a hoe And a piece of fertile ground As well as a big strong fence to keep the deer out <laughs> Yes indeed, a Menards family owned True Value store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville Among our fine sponsors V's Flower and Garden Shop on Main Street in Waitsfield By Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm on Main Street in Colchester, they have so many uh, kind of end-of-the-season values, but I tell you, it's not really ever the end of the season at Clausen's Florist and Greenhouse Perennials and Indoor Plants and just so many wonderful things from nature. Also brought to you by your locally owned Montpelier Agway Farm and Garden, don't they ever have it all, on East Montpelier Road. Buy sticks and stuff in Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton, and Derby. Sticksandstuff.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores. Four of them. Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By P&R Lumber, a family-owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need. They're on Route 15 in Walkett. By the Willie Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. By Dandelion Acres Garden Center, Vermont Route 107 in Bethel. And by Poly Construction, a contractor you can trust, where one call does it all. Right there on Gregory Drive in South Burlington. Yes, we will see you next week. 
in the garden here on WDEV. Gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warn them from below till the rain comes tumbling down.